right. So we are in the book of Exodus today. And we're going to have communion at the end of service uh, together. I've been reading and praying and, and really just just seeking the Lord. But, but I want to tell you, as even crying out like, Lord, what do you want to speak through uh, these, this chapter? And I, we're really going to cover chapter 5 and chapter 6 today. Um, and, uh, and so we're not going to read like we did the whole thing last week, uh, but we will read some parts. And I want to go through um, in Exodus 5 and, and hit a couple of key parts um, just bring bring some things to light for us and and uh, some different things um, that that uh, we can learn from from Moses and Pharaoh and then uh, I want to kind of close this service um, with encouragement to us out of chapter five and chapter six so a little bit different message this morning and again uh, if you're visiting it's really good to have you here this morning let's pray for the word God, we thank you for the word of God that has been uh, given to us this morning. We thank you that the Bible is there and is useful for teaching us and correcting us and training us in righteousness, God. We pray that as we would uh, read the scriptures and read these passages today, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would um, show us ways in which we can grow and show us ways in which we we can learn. Um, Father, God... um, Just bless this time in the word. Open up our hearts and mind, and I pray that my words would be clear this morning and your thoughts and and desire for us would come through in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Exodus chapter uh, chapter 5, Moses had his experience um, at the burning bush. He's heard from the Lord that he's supposed to go back into Egypt to set his people free. Um, The Lord gave Moses some really specific commands in what he's supposed to do and say to Pharaoh. Uh, In chapter 3, he told him, if I can find it real quick. um, It says in verse 18, this is back in chapter 3, as the Lord was speaking to Moses, he says, then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, now that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And in verse 19, this is really key here, it says, But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not even by a mighty hand. So in, in chapter uh, 4, Moses comes uh, with Aaron, and he comes to the elders of Israel, and he actually performs the miracles that God had showed him that he could do up on, on Mount Horeb, and where he you know, throws his staff on the ground, it turns to a snake, he puts his hand in his bosom, on, in his cloak, and it turns leprous, and then it becomes healed. So he actually showed the elders of Israel these miracles so that they were encouraged, and they were said, okay, the Lord is with Moses. Now, the Lord told Moses, take with you the elders of Israel when you go to Pharaoh, and when you ask him, when you talk to him again, listen, it says, and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, 
And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. Now I'm going to read what happens here as Moses is now going. And let's pick up some, see if you guys can catch a few things in here. Um, starting in verse 1, Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And so they, they begin to talk again, but I don't know if you, you, you catch, caught, caught that just real briefly. Moses is not doing it right. The elders didn't go. The elders were supposed to come. Now, we don't know why the elders didn't come. Um, we, the, there's a lot of Jewish historians and different historians think um, that they, they got fearful. And in fact, there's a whole uh, Talmudic story um, that one by one they were starting to go and they, they just kind of fell off before they actually got to Pharaoh. Uh, t elders are, are typically older men. Um, and so one of the things that happens with, with older men, uh, older people, um, that isn't, is, uh, isn't the same with younger people is that they have more caution. Older people have more caution. Young people, why do they send 18-year-olds into battle? Because uh, young people uh, don't have a lot of caution. They don't have a lot of fear. They just run into it. Uh, older people tend to have a little bit more caution. With that also can come a little bit more fear. They have wisdom, caution, and sometimes fear. And so we think that the elders were going, wait a second, I don't know if I want to go be part of this deal going and talking to Pharaoh. We don't know what happened, but the elders didn't go. Um, so remember, Moses hasn't been around for 40 years. So we got a stranger going in with Aaron and not the elders of Israel. And the Lord wanted the, all the elders to go in. And then he says, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Did you remember what three, chapter 3 said? This is interesting. Now, let me ask, who is Israel? Israel is Jacob, right? He's a person. Um, he, he represents a person, but... The Lord told uh, Moses to say, Thus shall you say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Not a lot of difference to us, the Hebrews, the Israel, that that's the same. Um, but it could have been very different because Pharaoh, every time Pharaoh talks, he's talking about the Hebrews. So Moses isn't even listening to maybe a subtle difference here. And he says, The, the God of Israel. And then he says, Let my people go. Which... Of course, as soon as I hear that, I think of the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, and you know, oh baby. Anyways, um, listen to what God told Moses to say. Verse 18. The, the God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now, please, let us go. Three days journey. Actually, God told Moses to say please. He told him to be respectful and to ask permission. And Moses comes in, and he's bold. He's using, he doesn't have the right people with him. And he's using some strong language against the king of Egypt. And I just want to just, just point this out. We don't know for sure if, if, if Moses would have done it right. We don't think that the, the outcome would have been uh, necessarily different. But it is interesting that, that Moses is, is doing this. And then he says, uh, remember in 18, chapter 3, he says that we may make a three-day journey um, to go and sacrifice, and Moses simply says, um, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. No time. We don't know anything about that. Uh, now go to three. 
Um, we're going to go back to two in just a second. So they said, the God of the Hebrews. So after Pharaoh says no, Moses now backpedals a little bit, I think. And he says, listen, listen in three. The God of the Hebrews, ah, there it is, has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And it is just kind of fun to bring out. Um, so now he's actually backpedaling. He's actually is being polite. Will you please let us go? We're going to go three days. And if you don't, you know, what could happen is that our God could, um, could judge us and we could fall under the sword and under pestilence. Well, in a back way, Moses is kind of saying, listen, if you don't do this, we're going to be in trouble, but so will you because we are your workers. We're your slaves and you don't want anything bad to happen to us. Um, and so the king of Egypt says to him, Moses and Aaron, why do you take your people from their work? Get back to your labor. And um, he, he goes on, he just starts really laying into them and, and saying, um, you guys are, are, you guys have too much time on your hand if you want to go and sacrifice. So we're going to make it life hard on you. And he's going to require them to keep making the same amount of bricks that they did before, make them do all the same work. But the Egyptians used to bring the straw to make the bricks to them. And they said, so you're going to keep making the same bricks, but you're going to have to go find the straw at the same time without your quota being released, uh, being decreased, I should say. And so this isn't good. Um, is what's happening here. Pharaoh is just putting his foot down and he's going to put the hammer down onto the Israelites. Um, and there, there's the taskmasters and there's also the overseers. The overseers in this, in this section are actually Hebrews. Um, they're Israelites themselves. Verse 10, the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw. And I, and I, this took me a little while, and and, uh, and, I, and I saw it with with some help of a, of a commentary. Um, Moses in verse one says, "Let my people go." So verse eleven, Pharaoh tells his people to say to the, to the Israelites, "Go and get straw and keep working." It's kind of I think a backhanded way. Yeah, you can go, you can go to work, you can work harder than you did before. And this is not going to go well. The people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. Taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work. Your daily quota is when there was straw. And then the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, these are the overseers, they're Hebrews, they were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task? So in interesting, some... Uh, 2,000, 3,000 3, years later, the Nazis will use a very similar uh, method here. The Nazis had uh, Nazi officers who were in charge, but they would actually get um, Jews to be oversight of the other Jews. And the Nazi officers would, would beat the overseers, the Jewish overseers, and the overseers, sadly, sometimes would take part in in directing the other Jews. And the Pharaoh's doing the same thing. Hitler took a, a, a rule, thing right out of uh, Pharaoh's playbook. And so now the Hebrews are upset. The Israelites are upset. The overseers, everyone is, is being tortured. And life now is worse than it was before Moses showed up. 
Has that ever happened to you? You know, sometimes when, when we're praying, sometimes when we're seeking the Lord for something, sometimes when we think the Lord has directed us to do something for Him, sometimes when somebody comes to faith, comes to salvation, because somebody's promised them that their life would, would get better, and immediately it doesn't get better, but actually sometimes things get worse. The enemy doesn't want to let us go quickly. The enemy wants to have his hand. Things don't always go uh, well for us. It's not always a path of roses. It's not always peachy keen in God. Sometimes the tribulations that come in Christ um, are, are, are huge. Uh, we probably, many of us in here, know Christians who, when they came to faith, or at even some other time in their life when a big trial came up, walked away from their faith because they actually felt as though it was worse listening to God than it was before. And we have to be careful to not fall into that same trap. Now I want to go back to verse 2 just to point out a little bit about Pharaoh. Uh, remember, Pharaoh is the God king. He's a God man. He has this crown that has the cobra on it, and he is recognized as a God. And uh, Moses comes up to him and says, Listen, um, let my people go. The God of Israel declares this. And he says, Who is this Lord? And I think there's something in him going, you are talking to a God. Who is the God that you are talking about? I don't know him. It, he may even be thinking in his mind, I know the God of the Nile. I know the God set. And he might think of all the gods that he knows in Egypt, who they fear, who they reverence. And he might say, I don't know that God. Who is this Lord? I want to point, point out a little bit something between Moses and Pharaoh here also. Do you remember when God came to Moses and said, Moses, you're to go to your people. Do you remember what Moses' response was? Who am I? Who am I? that I should go. See, Moses is a humble man. Yes, he tried to get out of, of the calling of God, but he's humble. In fact, he is known as the meekest man alive who ever lived. Moses the meek, yet he leads his people. So it is important to understand meek is not necessarily weak, but Moses was humble. When God says, hey, I want you to do this, he says, who am I? When God tells, tells Pharaoh, I want you to do this, Pharaoh says, who are you? Who are you? I am God. I am the master of my destiny. Sounds like people I know. So, so, sounds like many people in the world who haven't come to faith in Christ as we share the love of Jesus, as we share the love of God with people, they basically say to us, Who is God? Why should I submit my life to that God. And they have a, this stance of, of pride. And even as Christians, sometimes we have the same thing. God might call on us and we might have that same pride and say, why should I do this? We don't, we don't, we don't want to have that pride as Pharaoh had. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Why? Because if I let Israel go, my life will change. 
It's not going to be the way I like it to be. I like my life. I like the life of Egypt when we have these slaves serving us, helping me to build all of these temples and all of the structures that they're building. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to follow the Lord because he's going to tell me to stop going to that bar. He's going to tell me to maybe break off some friendships that cause damage. He's going to tell me that I can't cheat on my wife any longer. He's going to tell me that I have to give 10% of my money away. He's going to tell me, he's going to tell me, why should I listen to that God? Lord, help us. I believe the Lord knows as he knew, as he knew Pharaoh's heart. You know, come, come me back towards the end of chapter 5. It's interesting. Now, the officers of the children of Israel, and, and we don't know if these are elders or not, but they, they might have been some of the elders, saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm going to go back. Um, they go into the presence of Pharaoh. The officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh in verse 15. So they're going to go to Pharaoh and go, come on, please don't do this. These are the, the other Jews. These are the Israelites. And, and then Pharaoh says, you are idle. That's why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now go and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. The officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. You ever seen that you were in trouble? What do you do when you're in trouble? Pretty much, usually we do the same thing they're about to do. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. They're doing what any self-respecting human being does. Blame someone else. I mean, isn't that what happens? Things get rough and we start looking for people to blame. This is all your fault. Now, interesting, at the end of chapter 4, verse 30, Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads in worship. So they believed. They're like, good, God's going to get us out. And now it's bad, and they're like, it's all your fault. See a little jab at women, forgive me, but I... You know, a lot of, lot of wives, a lot of, they're like, I can't wait to have kids. I can't wait to have kids. And then in the middle of giving birth, they look at their husband. And they go, you did this to me. Kind of funny, huh? <laughs> uh, Shannon never did that. She was, she was never mean to me in labor. It was awesome. Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Something in here. And, and I, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not trying to beat us up here, but I want to encourage us because we want to grow and we want to want to let the Lord minister to us and bring healing to us, become the people that God wants us to be as we're watching Moses grow. He's, he's failed a few times. He's backed off, but he's going to grow, and he's going to be the leader 
uh, of the of the people of Israel, and he will continue to make some mistakes along the way. But he's going to press. He's going to, as I talked about a few weeks ago, he's going to fail forward. He's going to fall forward when he, when he has an I- issue. He's going to fall towards the Lord, and that's what we always want to do. Um, the children of Israel, the over the the uh, overseers here, they said, "Let the Lord look on you and judge." Interesting. When things are bad, we actually can't hear anything from God, and we can actually believe that God is is uh, kind of on our side when we're being uh, out of His will. So He says, "Let the Lord judge you." Well, the Lord is the one who told Moses and, and Aaron to do this. There's not going to be any judgment from God about this. Yet sometimes we can even get so wrapped up in our hurt and our in our situation that we we kind of think that God's with over here rather than realizing that God might be bringing us through something that He wants us to grow from. Lord, judge, and then so so let's go to Moses, verse twenty-two. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, "Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people?" Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh, some of your Bibles say ever since, they kind of like the, the translation ever since. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. Now, you know, again, I don't want to give the Israelites too hard of a time because they're being very normal. They're being human. This is, this is what we do. But, but we want to be above that is the people of God. We want to be spirit-led, not fleshly-led. We want to be people who can be led more by the spirit, not just our emotions. So yes, we all fall prey to being human and to blaming others, but, but wouldn't you like to live a life where, where you begin to have victory over those moments? Wouldn't you like to see other people have victory over those moments instead of blaming you for, for mishaps? As the body of Christ, we want to become... Uh, stronger, healthier. So Moses, again, very human-like, goes back to the Lord and says, why? Why did you bring trouble on this people? Why is it that you sent me? Well, that's kind of a dumb question. We know why he sent him. Because Moses has to bring the people out of Egypt. Moses is forgetting what God said back in 18, chapter 3, verse 18, 19, actually. Verse 19. This is probably an exciting time for Moses. He's at the burning bush. And he's seeing all these miracles, and he's seeing God, and, and it's just amazing. And, and now he's being encouraged because his staff is turning into a snake, and, and he's, he's watching the, the miracle of God and, and healing, and he's got all this stuff. And maybe he didn't hear this next part clearly. Um, if he did hear it, then he forgets it. Verse 19 in chapter 3, what does God say? I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that he will let you go. Why have you brought us trouble? Why is it you you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And God's going, "Uh uh-huh. Just like I said. He's not going to let you go. 
he, you're in this for the long haul, Moses. This isn't an easy one. This is like marriage. You're in it for the long haul. Come on, who, who got married and, 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 and maybe didn't go through any premarital counseling? Maybe you just had this, most of us, the pie in the sky, like we're going to get married and it's going to be the best thing ever and there's never going to be problems. I know that all my friends have problems in their marriage, but I'm not going to. Because you just don't know my, my girlfriend. She's amazing. You don't know my boyfriend. He's just absolutely incredible. We're going to have the perfect marriage. And depending on when the honeymoon ended for you guys, a week, a month, a year, you started going, who did I marry? And maybe you did some of these, God, why did you do this to me? Yeah. Isn't that true? And if you're sitting next to your spouse, you're going, I can't say it's true. Not going to do it. It's true. But when you persevere and you get down the road a little ways, you thank God that you persevered. So that's why marriage is a covenant relationship. Because if it was just a contract, we'd have bailed out. You know, things get rough and you just go, forget this, I'm just going to move on to the next. Like the guy when I owned the wedding chapel. You know, I was doing a wedding and I, you know, I, some of you don't know, I owned a wedding chapel for a number of years. I did, a, I performed about 1,500 weddings, so I saw a lot of them. And there were one day one guy was in there and, and uh, some of the guests were a little bit late, so I'm just chit-chatting with him. And we didn't require, at that point, I didn't require premarital counseling. I mean, they were either going to go to me or they were going to go to the, uh, there was a lady down the street who was a, a new age weirdo. I don't know if she was a weirdo, but she, her, her, her belief system was weird. It was new age. And there was the thing down the hill. None of these were Christians. And I thought, I'm going to at least give them a Christian wedding. So I'm chatting with this guy. And I said, so did you guys get premarital counseling? And he goes, I've already been married three times. I don't need it. <laughs> that was one of the funniest statements I'd ever heard. He, he thought he was an expert. Well, he was an expert at getting married. He just wasn't an expert at staying married. There's a big difference. You know, we can all get married. We can all walk into the covenant, but boy, it gets hard. And Moses, here he's in a covenant relationship with God. And Moses going, God, it's not going the way I thought it would. You know, I thought I was going to come in and, you know, do some snake stuff and do some leprosy stuff. And we're just going to go. Why have you done this to me? And the Lord says, oh, poor Moses. I'm so sorry you feel bad. You know, that's what we, we, we want to hear. It's kind of like last week. We talked a little bit about that. You know, God has this funny way of not always doing that to, for us. Now, what's amazing about his, his goodness toward us is sometimes with certain situations and some people, he does do a little bit of that. But, but often he just says, he, he goes, skips it all. Skips it all. And, and the truth is, is, it's true. What Moses said, he, he's questioning God, which is absolutely okay. You can always question God. Some of you have been brought up to believe that you cannot question God. I think we're t we're, it's okay. You question him. And then like what God told to Job, be ready for an answer. Because at some point, God will answer you. And he'll say, listen, you better sit down because I'm going to talk to you now and I'm going to tell you. And with Job, he goes, where were you when? And he started talking about all these things about God brought up his goodness. So the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go. With a strong hand he will drive them out of his la land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Sounds familiar. I am the Lord. This is what God's answer to Moses was before. But who am I? I am the Lord. 
That's his answer to us. We have to put our trust into God, even when situations and circumstances don't look good. We have to put our trust in the God of the covenant, the God of creation, that he will walk with us. Now, it's interesting. I, 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 found, I find that we have no problem believing in the God of creation. Amen? I mean, I think most of us in here, if you're visiting and, and, and you don't even know if there is a God, then, then uh, you know, I pray that you will discover him. Um, but, but even people who don't believe in Jesus often have no problem with the God of creation. In fact, more and more scientists are coming to that same thing going, something did this. We can't explain the world, the universe, babies, eyeballs, all the things that are around us. We can't explain it. We don't have a problem trusting the God of creation. But we do have a problem trusting the God of our circumstances. We have a problem with the trustworthiness of God is really what it is. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, I'm one of them. There are times that I, I, I'm, I'm afraid or I, I take things into my own hand. I will tell people all day long about the God of creation. Come on, this, this amazing God who did all of these miracles. You can trust him, but then I go, oh, do I trust him? Do I think that God is trustworthy with my cir circumstances and situation? And, and, and friends, I find that the answer often is no. Yeah, it's, it's often, no, I, 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 I don't know if he's trustworthy. And we need to begin to, to pray and seek him to say, God, I want to trust you. One of the ways that we trust God is by looking back at the things he's done for us. He's brought us through. And not relying on our sight and on the circumstances that we see. See, if we were to take a poll today, I think every one of us would be able to come up with a circumstance that they don't like, that's very difficult in their life, and they don't know if God's going to see them through it. They, they, they just hold that out, and they can say, well, God created everything, and he's amazing, and, and I had children, and there's a miracle of God in that, and all these things, but I got this thing, and I just don't trust God that he's going to do it. So God says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, the self-existent God. I appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I was not known to them. I've also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan with the land of the, in the land of the pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And there's got to be a part in here that Moses has got to see. And if he didn't, we, we need to. The promise to Abraham was 400 years ago. That's a long time. I don't think there's anyone in here that, that old. I'm just double checking. 400 years the promise came. I give a covenant to my people, to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am going to bring you into the land that I promise you. That's a lot of Jeopardy songs. It's a lot of waiting, isn't it? God reminds Moses, I'm in a covenant with you. I promise them it's going to come to pass. We need to hold on to, it's not time yet. 
the answer is coming because God is good. We have to trust that God is good and that we can't always see it, but he's good. And, and God in his, in his omnipotence and omniscience and his such love and wisdom allowed us to be children at one point and grow up to become parents who have children. And if you remember back when you were a child, if you can remember some of those things that you thought the earth was collapsing around you because you didn't get to go on the pony ride. And you thought everything was over because the little girl down the street didn't like you or the little boy. And as a little child, everything was wrapped up in whatever situation you were in in the moment. You know, I love watching little kids who just throw the fits because they can't get a piece of cake. And two or three minutes later, they're totally fine. I mean, they're having a meltdown. You ever see that? They're having an absolute meltdown because of something small. And as soon as they forget about it, they're fine. I think that's us. I think that's us with God. We're having meltdowns all the time going, oh, it's because we can't always see, like a little child can't see the big picture. But as they get older, as they grow, they begin to exercise self-control. They begin to have reason, and they, and they be, can begin to say, okay, mom, when mom says, you can't have uh, any d- dessert right now because we're going to go to the movies later and get popcorn and candy, they go, ooh, I like popcorn and candy. I can handle that. No, no, no candy right now, no, nothing right now, because we're going to get popcorn and candy and, and soda and all that fun stuff. Let's sugar them up. I don't know why we do that at the movies so they can't sit still. It's kind of crazy. But, but older kids begin to go, okay, I can do that. I can, I can say no now because I want that. They're believing the covenant-making, promise-making God, their parent, and they're going, no, they're trustworthy, and I'm going to have that. We need to begin to trust more and more the covenant-making, wonderful God and says, I can't see it. I can't see it, but it's coming. And I'm going to trust you. And we look at the Word of God who shows God as a trustworthy God. And we hear testimonies of people who share their stories of God's faithfulness with their finances, with healing, with whatever it is. And we look at our own stories and we see God has met me. Not always the way I wanted, but He's always met me and He's come through. He is faithful he is trustworthy. I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of the Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. It's not here, but it's coming. We live as Christians, as people in this world, we live in a, in a strange time, in a strange world, because we're walking in the promises of God that are here but not quite yet. We're walking in eternity. See, from did, did you know that we will never stop? We will never die. This body will stop, and immediately I will continue on because I'm now living in eternity. So my promise, the promises from God are now, but they're not quite yet. We live in them, but we don't fully understand them. They're still to come. We have to put our faith, hope, and trust in God that he will bring it to pass he is the God of the covenant 
verse 5 in chapter 6, says, I've heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. That, that saying is really an interesting saying. I remembered them. God never forgot. Okay, this is, this is uh, um, a word play. It's, it's a way to help us understand whenever you see that, what he's saying is, I'm going to do something now. I'm going to do something. It's, it's, I'm, I'm about to work. I know, I know the people, I've heard them. And he, and he goes to in verse 8, verse 7, I will take you as my people, I will be your God, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will give it to you as, an her- as a heritage. So Moses goes and he speaks to the children of Israel, and they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit because of the cruel bondage. Sometimes that's us, isn't it? People come and say, God's going to do something for you. God's going to do something for you. We can't hear it because of our, our bondage, because of our sorrows, because of the difficulties we're going through. I'm, I'm really glad that God is not like us. There's times that people go to somebody and says, I'm going to help you, and... and and the people maybe don't receive it. Well, I just don't believe you. And so what a lot of humans, what we do is, well, that's fine. I'll just won't do it then. Pull away. God says, you don't even have to believe Moses. You don't have to believe me. It's a covenant. I'm going to do it anyways. That's powerful. See, God's covenant with us isn't dependent upon us. It's dependent on him. He will do it. This week, in, in, in Shannon's, um, some of her classes, she's, one of her classes, she had this really neat quote. And um, talking about trust. So it's, it's really, it was really fitting. I, I asked her for her notes so I could write these down. So we have a hard time with trust. Hard time trusting people. Have a t- hard time trusting God. God wants to bring healing to us. Sometimes the reason we can't trust is because, I mean, you get real kind of counselly for a moment. We can't trust now because somebody in the past has hurt us. And we built up a wall and we don't really want to trust because we don't want to be hurt again. Okay, and God wants to heal us from those things because we're missing out. We're missing out in the present because of something that's happened in our past. We're missing out on having a relationship with people that we can have trust. And, and, and you, within a marriage, is, is an amazing relationship that you can have trust. Yes, you still get hurt. So hurt does happen. We need to learn how to trust God. Instead of trusting God, what we often do, or even other people trusting anyone, instead of trust we want an answer or an explanation. That's interesting. You know, people say, well, you just, just need to trust God. Well, tell me why this happened. Why did this happen? I, I don't know. Well, tell me, tell me how it's going to get better. Tell, tell me what's going to happen now. I can't do that. So don't, don't we, we want an explanation we want an answer if you just give me more of a reason or an explanation I won't have to trust you as much 
You know, I don't know if anyone's ever ever done something with you and like want to take you somewhere. Hey, I want to take you on this special trip, and you go, "Where are we going?" I can't tell you. Come on, just tell me something. You know? Well, should I should I, should I dress differently? How should I dress? Tell me something. Is it far? So am I, I going to be up late? What? We're, I want an explanation. I want some some stuff. I don't trust you. Trust. God is calling us to trust him. Here's a quote from her, her book. In the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the pain. He's calling, he's, God is calling us to trust him in the middle of suffering and in the middle of pain. Rather than just saying, God, just give me an answer or an explanation. That's what we want. God, just give me an answer. Give me an explanation. I believe he's saying, as he did to Moses, I am the Lord. And I am trustworthy. I'm not just a God of creation. I am a personal God. Self-existent. I reveal myself to you in a new way. I'm not just God Almighty, but I am the one who is, who was, and is to come. I am the covenant-making God. And I'm your God. If we'll press into the Lord, G.K. Chesterton said this. I'm going to preface where it's coming from. If, if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, if we'll begin to press into Him, I believe we'll find this to be true. Where the riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. Don't you want to live that way where the riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man? I mean, faith, it's, it's a roller coaster ride sometimes. As we press in Him, trust in Him, I was thinking of the song this week, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We want to trust Him. Like a child says, okay, there's no reason to not trust you. I'm going to trust you in this. Trust you in the storm, God. Like the disciples, though, they said it with, with their belief. Do you believe? Yes, we believe. Help us with our unbelief. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. Help me with my lack of trust. Help me not to go look for an answer, a solution, an explanation. Help me just to trust you and watch the riddle of God come to pass. That's where what we learn from Exodus chapter 5 and 6. We'll learn to trust Him once and then we'll struggle again and we'll have to go through the process. But as we go through that, I believe that our trust will grow. As our trust goes, I think we'll have more faith to try the things that he wants us to try, to step out in faith when he says, okay, you trusted me in that, now trust me in this. And God has plans and desires for you to be more of an overcomer. Plans and desires for you to be successful, excuse me, and prosperous as you trust him. I do something really uncomfortable today, and I'm, I'm going to apologize because it might be, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. We're going to do communion in a different way. Um, 
and it, I want to give you an out, and I don't want to make you feel bad for it. So I, I will give you an out in a, in a moment. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to separate you by birth years, odd and even. And, and not because I think you're odd. <laughs> if you have an even birth year, I'm going to ask you in just a minute to come up, and you're going to get communion. And everyone's going to stand up at the same time. You can kind of get in a line. When you get your communion... You're going to get two of each. You're going to go find someone that's sitting down. You're going to have communion with that person. We'll pray about it. We'll pray first. You don't have to pray. For the, but you're just going to share bread with them. And I encourage you. We've got lots of room today. That's why I'm doing this. Sit down next to them for a minute. And then pray for each other. Now, now I understand that right now some of you are going, I'm leaving. I don't need communion today. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to pray out loud. You, if you want, you can just walk up to them and go, Hi, I'm Rob. And sit down. Just put out your hand, give them their communion. That, that's all you can say. That's okay. I don't, but then you're going to pray for them, and they'll pray for you. Back and forth. You want, you can introduce yourself. You don't even have to do that. That's great. Here's where you really get out of this. Um, if, uh, if you don't want to pray out loud, just pray, pray silently. This is what I do when I'm doing a big group prayer. And I encourage you to do this for people. Take the pressure off. Some people don't like to pray out loud, and that's, that's okay. Just pray. And the, the only thing you have to do is when you're done praying for that person, just say amen. Then they know you're done. Can you all say amen? Okay. That's all I have to do. Pray for them. Let them pray for you. When we're done, we'll, we'll go. You just, we'll, this is going to be the end of service. We're going to dismiss, and you're going to have communion, and then you can stay as long as you want, or you can leave. Um, if you're physically unable to get up, even if you're the odd or even, um, just stay seated and somebody will bring you communion. And we'll make sure that that happens um, to everyone, okay? Communion, what it represents? It represents the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus, the, the blood of Christ, who, bro who was broken, beaten, bled out for us so that our sins could be forgiven, but that our bodies could be made whole and our spirit, our, our, our hearts could be made whole. And some of us have wounds today, so we want to be praying for their wounds. When we're praying for them, pray, God, that they, you touch them and, and heal their heart. All of us have wounds from our childhood even. Pray that God would heal them and that they would learn to trust more. And I don't care if you trust really well, you can trust more. It's just true. Father, I thank you for the, the body of Christ, for the blood of Christ that was broken and, and spent and shed for us. Pray that you would bless these elements. Bless our communion one with another as we fellowship in, in the body and what Jesus has done for us. And God, in this whole process, we pray that you would help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So what are the, I, I, now I already forgot. I think I said even people are going to stand up and odd people, sit down. <laughs> All right.